Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. 10, 9, ignition sequence start. Space Nuts. 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Space Nuts. Astronauts report it feels good. Well, hello, and thank you for joining joining us on Space Nuts, the podcast about astronomy with Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory, and I'm your host, Andrew Dunkley. And thanks for all the uh, emails and notes and questions about where the hell we've been. Uh, yeah, well, we've been to hell and back. No, that's not true. Fred's been really busy uh, dealing with a, a lot of stuff, uh, pesky journalists and BBC people to, to make some television, which turned out to be fantastic. And uh, then he needed a holiday. <laughs> Fred, good, good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you. And to you, Andrew. Thank you very much for that. And of course, I was um, I was over in Scandinavia for a while as well, which tended to dampen our spirits as far as uh, Space Nuts was concerned. But we're back online. So yes, that's indeed. Great. So uh, we better get straight into it because people have been busting to hear what you've uh, got to talk about. And today we're going to be looking at uh, some interesting things. As always, volcanoes being monitored from space, a new high atmosphere phenomenon called Steve. <laughs> and then some real astronomy we'll do a bit later <laughs> about a uh, supernova. But uh, monitoring volcanoes from space is fascinating. Uh, why do we need to do this? Uh, well, we need to do it because the more we can find out about volcanoes, the more likely we are to be able to predict when an eruption is going to take place. And that at the moment is simply not possible. Although volcanologists do have a pretty shrewd idea of when things are going to happen. Uh, one of the signs, one of the telltale signs, Andrew, that, that things, are, things are about to start getting tricky on a volcano is when they start swelling because the volcano itself changes shape by matters only of a few centimetres, but it's this sort of bulging of the structure of the volcano that tells you that deep down underneath the surface there is a push uh, of, of magma, the, 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 the sort of semi-liquid stuff that makes up that uh, um, slightly, uh, not, not quite the outer layer of the earth, but very nearly the one underneath the crust. Um, that bulges up and changes the shape of the volcano. And actually a lot of volcanoes are monitored, the very well-known ones, um, Vesuvius, Etna, some of these, uh, they have um, basically GPS devices on the side of them, which respond to changes in position as the landscape moves. But an, an easier way almost of doing that, and one that lets you look not just at the odd one volcano, but at many of the world's 1,500 active volcanoes uh, on, on, uh, on the land surface. There are probably more under the water, but 1,500 on the land. Um, the, the easier way to do it is to do it from space. And there are two spacecraft that can do that. They're called Sentinel. Oh, wow. That sounds exciting. Uh, look, I, I'm fascinated by volcanoes. As you know, I've stood on the rim of um, two of the, uh, uh, well, two volcanoes, one in, in Vanuatu that actually did a thing in front of us that scared the willies <laughs> out of us. And, yeah. and um, of course, um, uh, Hawaii, I've uh, been uh, on the top of um, 
uh, Kilauea, which is uh, pretty exciting, although so so American <laughs> for them to put a car park in the crater. But <laughs> oh, that's, well, that's what you do. Yeah, um, right. I, I, look, I, I've, um, I have uh, also visited both of those volcanoes uh, and indeed stood on, I think it's Mount Yasso, isn't yes, it, in right. Vanuatu, yeah. stood right on the edge of it, looked down basically into the pit of hell uh, it, with, with some very, very hairy circumstances. But I can, I can add one to that because I have walked on the glacier that is uh, over the top of Eyjafjöttl, Jökull, the Icelandic volcano. I'm just so thrilled you can say it. <laughs> <laughs> I can only say it because it stopped me getting back to Australia back in mm. 2010, and I figured I ought to at least learn how to say its name. Yes. I'm sure I'm not saying it correctly. Anyway, um, the, the returning to the story, uh, these Sentinel spacecraft uh, basically are radar spacecraft. So what they do is they send radio, radio signals down to the ground, look for the reflection coming back and use that to determine the height of the landscape and they are incredibly accurate mm. and so by a, a technique which actually we use in optical science in uh, you know the way we manipulate light uh, in physics uh, you, you use a technique called interferometry and what you can do is you can look at um, the, the radar signature coming back from uh, a, a volcano um, and then do the same thing again a few days or weeks or years later and compare the two and what you get is this amazing contour map of the changes that have taken place between the two flyovers of this volcano and indeed um, contours uh, are produced which have uh, a, a, you know on, on, on contour maps of the ground you're often looking at a change in height of 10 meters or something like that yes these show a change in height of three centimeters. Oh, wow. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's kind of telling you that this is really sensitive technology. And what it means is that as a volcano bulges, that's the kind of uh, scale that it bulges with. And so you can actually start detecting that. And, and this is really a way of getting an early alert that things are happening underneath some of the dormant volcanoes of the world. It still won't tell you when it's going to erupt because sometimes they bulge years before they actually erupt. Mm. But at least it gives you some warning signs and it adds to that network of information that we have uh, for understanding the world's uh, hotspots in terms of its volcanoes. Yes, indeed. I suppose one that's a classic example of a, a bulging volcano that went awry was Mount St. Helens because they Indeed, did, that's they, right. they were able to see that kind of build up and then it exploded sideways and caused all sorts of trouble and killed quite a few people. Yeah, Fascinating, Fred. Be uh, worth uh, keeping an eye on that one and uh, maybe, uh, maybe it'll be a precursor to a, a reasonably good early warning system, which we certainly need. You're listening to Space Nuts with me, Andrew Dunkley and Fred Watson. Space Nuts. Now, Fred, let's talk about Steve. Now, Steve is not a person. Steve is a thing. This actually reminds me of a BBC comedy thing they did once where they had all the animals uh, overdubbed with human voices and they had one little muskrat or something uh, standing there and it was obviously calling him going, Alan, 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 Alan. <laughs> and then after a while it goes, it's not Alan. Looks like Steve. Steve, Steve. Steve. <laughs> it was hilarious. Someone should look that up. It's on YouTube. Anyway, that's beside the point. What is Steve? Well, actually, that might be the show that it takes its name from uh, because because it's been given this name uh, because this is a phenomenon that nobody has noted before. It's obviously been around, but nobody has noticed it, and it doesn't have a name. And uh, It's actually a, a program called uh, 
what was that? It was called. It was a children's movie. Um, Over the Hedge, it was called. Oh yes. And, uh, uh, and they're, they're, they're calling this Steve because in Over the Hedge, the characters gave the name Steve to a, to something they'd never seen before. So right. that's it's that's that's where the name comes from. Okay. <clears throat> of course, um, scientists being scientists have already turned it into an acronym. Sudden thermal emission from velocity enhancements is one of the ones that's being proposed. I'm yeah, shaking that's my Steve. head here. <laughs> oh, I love it. So um, you you probably know. In fact, I mentioned it just a few minutes ago. Um, one of my um, hobbies, I suppose you can put it that way, is the Northern Lights, the Aurora Borealis, going up to far northern Scandinavia to watch this most beautiful, I think, of all celestial phenomena, where the sky lights up with these green and pinkish lights. Um, so Aurora watching is is now something that um, is within the remit of everybody who's got a decent camera mm. uh, and we're now seeing some wonderful uh, images and movies of, of these aurora but one of the things that occasionally appears and hasn't really been recognized is this band of light uh, which is really quite different from the standard aurora it's a very narrow band of light and it has um, uh, really subtly different colors from the normal aurora now, th th these things apparently have been sort of talked about among Aurora watchers for a while, and some people call it a proton arc, although um, apparently proton aurora are not actually visible, so that makes it a bit difficult. But we now know from the European Space Agency that with the instruments that they've got, um, uh, measuring you know the gas velocity 300 kilometers above the surface of the Earth, they, they actually find these narrow bands of... Uh, of stuff only a few tens of kilometers wide and that's pretty narrow by the standards of auroral features where the temperature is 3000 degrees celsius it's much much higher uh, than the surrounding uh, the, the gas uh, around it um, and that they find that these ribbons of gas actually flow very very rapidly mm. um, they've clocked them at a speed of six kilometers per second and that's not far short of the speed you have to be to go into orbit around the earth it's it's incredibly fast so that's about all we know about them at the moment very very little is known they're purplish in color it doesn't seem to be an aurora but seems to be a relatively new phenomenon that um that that comes about because of activity in the atmosphere rather than this bombardment of the atmosphere by solar particles so it could, um, be, could be some kind of i don't know Static electricity reaction, possibly, or almost that sort of thing. Yeah, although there's there's not much that's static about things going at six kilometers no. per second, really. But you know what? Yeah, it's it, it's it's some phenomenon of that kind that uh, clearly uh, connects, um, you know, the atmosphere to maybe the magnetic fields of the Earth in a way that we don't yet understand. So Steve is as good a name as any. Um, if it can be turned into sudden thermal emission from velocity enhancement, so much the better. But I think. <laughs> the bottom line with this uh, for all space nuts fans is to watch this space because um, I am very intrigued with speed uh, with Steve not speed uh, I'm very intrigued with it and I would love to see one on one of these Aurora trips oh, yeah. uh, so I shall be looking for Steve like features the next time I'm up there well, make sure you take a, uh, a plastic uh, cased <laughs> pen with you uh, so that you can te you can test my static electricity theory by run rubbing a pen on it and then seeing if you can pick up a piece of paper I'll, I'll give that a try. Uh, <laughs> it sounds like good science to me, does oh, that? Look, I'm full of it, <laughs> literally full of it. <laughs> All right, well, keep an eye on Steve. You're listening to Space Nuts. Andrew Dunkley here with Fred Watson. 
What a matchup! And what a tee, Mike. MetroPCS and the iPhone SE for $0 on a network that covers 99% of people in the U.S. Oh, impressive. Play with the best. Switch to MetroPCS and get a 32-gig iPhone SE for $0. MetroPCS. Coverage not available in some areas, plus sales tax and $10 activation fee. Claim based on talk and text. Not valid for active numbers currently on our T-Mobile network or active on MetroPCS in the past 90 days. See store for details and terms and conditions. Space nuts. Okay, Fred, time to talk about real astronomy now. Uh, <laughs> leave Steve way behind. Uh, a Swedish-led team of astronomers has used uh, the Hubble Space Telescope to analyse um, images of a supernova. That's the short story. What's the real, <laughs> what's the real well, story behind this? Well, that, that actually sums it up. Um, but these are very special images of a supernova. So let's just recap a supernova is um, a star that explodes at the end of its life. There are a number of different mechanisms by which stars can explode. They've got to be massive ones, much, much bigger than the sun, uh, 10, 20 times the mass of the sun. Our sun will never exhibit such bad behavior because it will gently come to an end in uh, three or four billion years time. Put that in your diary while we're talking about it. But a supernova is um, an explosion of terrifyingly large proportions. Mm. And um, they're very well observed. And one of the things we know about them, at least supernovae of a particular type, is that you can use them as standard candles. They all go off with the same amount of brightness. Is that right? These are so-called supernova of type 1A. And that means that they're useful. So to have something whose brightness you know, um, and then you can measure that from Earth, that gives you an idea of how far away it is. And indeed, it was by looking at these supernovae uh, back in 1998 that the discovery was made that our universe is expanding ever faster, that the expansion of the universe isn't constant. Well, with all these things blowing up inside the universe, it, yeah, could, yeah, only it could only be expanding faster, yeah. But but the, the trick with this one, and the reason why this uh, particular set of observations has hit the headlines is that this combines exactly what we've just been talking about, measuring the brightness of a distant supernova, but it combines it with a phenomenon called gravitational lensing. And that is uh, basically the, the distortion of space caused by massive objects. Mm. And the massive object in this case is a galaxy that sits between ourselves and this distant supernova. So this galaxy is kind of in between us and the, 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 the object that's exploded. And the galaxy itself has mass. It distorts the space around it. It's a very well understood phenomenon. Uh, and what you get, instead of just one image of the supernova, we've got four of them uh, arranged in a beautiful, um, almost a square, uh, around the image of the galaxy. You can check them out on the, on the web. The Hubble Space Telescope uh, website's got these images on it uh, very clearly. So why does that help? Well, it's uh, almost a bit of magic that takes place here because as the four distorted images of the supernova are formed by the gravitational lens, what it does is gives the light path to each image a slightly different timing. So um, some of the uh, explosion, uh, the light of the explosion of the supernova takes a slightly longer dogleg path to get to us 
than other parts of it. Oh, and so like, what like you get the like the air over an aeroplane wing, for example. Exactly. Yes, it's, it's very similar to that. The, mm. the, the wing distorts the airflow and the, the air over the top takes a longer path. And because of that, you get lift. It's it's an analogous situation. What you've got is the is the light taking a longer path. Uh, around one side of this lensing galaxy, as it's called, uh, compared with the other side. Now, um, the unlike uh, airflow over an aeroplane wing, the speed of the light can't change. Mm. So the speed of the light is the same at all times. So what that means is that the pulse of light from the supernova arrives slightly later from the uh, for the image that has gone the long way around, if I can put it that way. And so you get this time delay between the, the, the four different images that we're seeing. It's a complex story, but what it means is that you can use that time delay actually to learn things about the expansion of the universe. It sort of tells you how fast space is expanding uh, because you can plug into <clears throat> all kinds of complex mathematical equations the time delay that you get, and it's actually a very powerful tool. So that is why these uh, this Swedish team of astronomers is so excited about this, and we may find coming out of it some kind of new high precision measures of well the age of the universe uh, how much its uh, its expansion is accelerating by and things of that sort this is uh, work that is in progress but i think uh, will tell us a lot more about the universe than we know already which is why it's worth celebrating here on space now now tell me fred does uh, this particular supernova uh, have a name that they've been studying <laughs> you've got it, it look I, I have to know uh, it, it does. It's called IPTF16GEU. <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. Work yeah. that one out, Steve. Well, it's probably a nicer name than, you know, for a supernova <laughs> than... than, than yeah, well, actually, Steve would probably be better. <laughs> Steve yeah, would be cool. I, I think Steve's a lot mm. better. <laughs> well, it's, it's good that we can actually learn something from these th things. I mean, supernova uh, are just spectacular uh, when they're seen, and and they have been seen with the naked eye. What was it, 1066, the famous one that the Chinese saw? Was that the year? It's a bit earlier than that. The, oh. the 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 only one in our lifetimes was in 1987, and that was visible in the Large Magellanic Cloud. The, the last naked eye supernova before that was in 1604. 1604. So they're, they're, they're pretty rare, yeah. yeah. Yeah, actually, that one in 1987 wasn't a supernova. That was my wedding. Uh, of course, <laughs> yes, of course anyway. it was. <laughs> uh, sure beats an average or a small Nova. Um, <laughs> or indeed a Steve. <laughs> or indeed a Steve. Fred, as always, it's been a great pleasure. Thank you. Welcome back. It's so good to have you here. We'll um, we'll be able to uh, put people um, at peace for, for all the, so. the weeks of absence because of, we're getting a lot of questions. And keep the questions coming. We either answer them online, and if we've got time to answer them during the segment, we'll do that too. Uh, but, um, yeah, just keep the questions coming. Um, we're getting a lot of questions through the Twitter sphere these days, Fred. So you can follow us up on Twitter or Facebook or, um, or just listen in through your favourite podcast platform. Catch you next time, Fred. Sounds great, Andrew. Good to talk to you again. That's Fred Watson from the Australian Astronomical Observatory. And from me, Andrew Dunkley, goodbye. Until next time. On Space Nuts. Space Nuts. You'll be listening to the Space Nuts podcast. Subscribe to the full podcast on iTunes, Audio Boom, and Stitcher, or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Sites.com. 
Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.